Sinners and Saints. Dust off those horns and halos. It's time for Alec After Dark. Sinners and Saints. How we doing today? Are you feeling well? You feeling sexy? You feeling good? Are you looking good? I hope you are. We are now post-holiday season and I wonder how many of you are like me that even though I don't really like the holidays, I still kind of get this depression after they're over. I also hate winter, so it doesn't really help that we have all these months of cold weather to look forward to. And living in the South, if there's any snow, well, people these days can't drive when it's perfect weather. So you can only imagine how they drive with snow on the ground or ice. It's virtually impossible for them to drive. So you know there's going to be dozens of car accidents. So there's plenty of dread to look forward to as well. And I'm noticing more and more that while we try to express goodwill toward others, there's a lot of hostility. And I know where the hostility comes from. And we're not going to mention the orange turd tonight, even though I just did. What can we do to change that? What What is there? What can we do to make people be nicer? And I guess the answer is there is nothing. I believe it's a choice to be nice or not to be nice. And I wonder why someone wouldn't be nice. And if you hear a dog barking in the background, I apologize, but he's outside and he's pissed off about something. So I've been cussed out by a poodle before, so I don't even know what dog that is, but he's angry about something out there. So maybe it's me he's angry at, even though he can't even see me. (laughs) That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? I was having another discussion with friends the other day, well, during the holiday season, and have y'all noticed that it looks like a lot of people tend to pass away to die around the holidays? I'm aware of several people who've had loved ones to die, and I currently have a good friend who is still in the process of grieving for his lost partner. They were together for many, many, many years, and it's the cruelty of life, isn't it? That's the cruelty of life, that that life comes to an end and we don't have a say in the matter. I mean, we can extend our lives, you know, try to take care of ourselves, eat right, follow doctor's instructions, try to do things that doesn't risk our health anymore. But Lord of mercy, <laughs> considering the years that I've been a drinker, I probably have shaved off several years of my life just from that. I don't want to think so because I only tend to drink once or twice a week, if that. But I'll be honest, I drink a lot sometimes and that probably doesn't help. But in the conversation we were having, it's one of those things again where people make you completely aware of your mortality. And what are we supposed to do with that time? Is it, is it, should we just live for ourselves or are you supposed to live a life of service to others? The bottom line is, is that once you're born, you have to survive, right? We have to survive. We have to have food, clothing, shelter. And if we don't have those things, then we have to strive and work to get them. And let's face it, in in the United States, there are a lot of people that try to help, but 
once you become a homeless person, I wonder how hard it is to get out of that vicious cycle. A lot of people that are homeless, it's very clear they have mental health issues, very significant mental health issues, and there isn't enough help for them in this country. I can't speak for other countries, but when you put yourself into that situation, you start thinking about where you are in your life and what you need to do. For me, I overthink everything, and you all know that already, but as I'm getting older, I'm thinking about my situation. I I am a single person who I don't believe I will be in a relationship anytime in my future. And I have to think about what, what will a future look like when I'm, let's say, 70 and older? What if I am not in as good health as I am now? What do I do? How do I prepare for that? And that mindset keeps me in a place to where I don't travel as much. I don't do a lot of things that might cost more money than I want to spend because in my mind, I need that money for the future in which I might not have anybody else to help take care of me. And the thought of being homeless at age 70 or what any age is bad, but when you get to that age where maybe the money is running out and there's not enough, what in the world do you do? I mean, what do you do? Where could you go? Would you become a possession of your state government? What what would happen there? Once again, though, that's me letting fear dictate my actions. I remember when I first moved out on my own, how hard it was to survive. And I always go back to the lessons I learned when I I told my nephew when he first moved out on his own. and And I told him, I said, what's the price of your freedom? The price of your freedom is rent, gas money, transportation, utilities. You have all those things first before you get to do anything. So if young people think that they're just gonna break out of their parents' house and have this wild and crazy fun life, boy, does life kick you in the teeth really, really quickly on that situation. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you just constantly worry about it? And I I wonder if you guys are like me. There'll be nights I suffer from terrible insomnia. So I have plenty of time if I'm lying in bed just to think, and it's what comes up the most. What's gonna happen to me in the future? So I feel like I have to save a lot of money just to be prepared for an unknown future. And it's true, we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, we don't. We could die in the next five seconds. I could die recording this podcast. And then would I be disappointed in that I didn't do everything that I set out to do? And of course the answer is yes, but there's nothing wrong, I don't think in my mind, of doing the things that I enjoy to do on a budget. I mean, going out to happy hour and hanging out with friends is something I love doing. And I can do that without spending a whole lot of money, even though if I think about it, I have probably financed three or four bartenders' houses over the years. Huh. I do need to think about that, don't I? Well, shit. (laughs) 
Well, you know, it was money well spent in most cases. Maybe not always, but in most cases. What am I going at with this? I don't know. Why did it come up? Well, because I'm looking at at friends of mine that are older than me and seeing a bit of the fear in their eyes. And I wonder about, and I'm a little bit jealous. I have friends who are traveling all over the world, having a great time, enjoying everything. And it seems like they don't have a care in the world. And I'm always thinking, well, how are they doing that? Do they have enough in retirement to, to cover all this? And some of them do. It's great. I hopefully will too. I do have a plan for that. But you know what they say about best laid plans, right? The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And boy, is that the truth in my life. And my situation is just terrible. <laughs> so what do you do? How do you balance that drive and that caution, but still enjoy your life? Let's just talk about it. Let's just be open about this. I think there's a fear of death. Maybe this should have been my Halloween episode. Jesus. When I'm lying in bed at night and I'm thinking about these stupid things to think about, that I can't do anything about it, but you start looking at your age and go, well, at best, I might have 40 years left, but probably barely 20 more years left, maybe 25 And then you look at the life that you've lived already and you think, well, damn, that's not much time at all. What the hell? Where did the time go? When you're a kid, you're in a hurry to be a teenager. And when you're a teenager, you're in a hurry to be an adult. But when you become an adult, you want to slam on the brakes and slow it down. But you just can't stop that runaway train, can you? And I am feeling a little bit sentimental for friends that I've lost. And... Trust me, the longer you live, the more people you lose. That's the grand scheme of life, right? Nobody gets out alive. Nobody. Do you ever come to accept that fate? Do we? I don't know. Hells, bells, this is totally fucking depressing, isn't it? I promise we'll get onto some dick here in a few minutes. I promise. Well, maybe. So what do you think about about that? What is your opinion about death and dying, especially if you're a gay man who may most likely be single the rest of his life. I do think that people do get married just to have someone (laughs) around them just in case. But, you know, there are worse reasons to get married. As long as you like each other and care for each other, why does that matter? It doesn't. If you can establish some sort of relationship out of that great knock yourself out is that what we'll all wind up doing you know i've i've talked about the situation with friends and we've discussed possibly doing a golden girls situation which did seem to be ideal but remember dorothy did get married and she left them all behind just like that just like that and i may just delete this whole episode because i'm thinking this is too depressing But most likely I won't. I think that this is part of my therapy, like I've said before. And to circle back to where this started, it it does stem from friends that I, I care about and seeing how they've suffered through grief, losing their husbands, their boyfriends, the people they love the most. And that is part of the whole dynamic of this situation, right? That's the whole portion that I'm I'm getting at that when you're together, 
you think and feel that you're going to be together for a very long time. When that doesn't happen, I mean, that's the rug being pulled out from under you. And then you have to go on. They've passed and you're still here with a broken heart, but with life still running over you. You've got to keep going. The next day, the world doesn't stop. And it's hard enough in basic relationships, but try having a relationship in the gay community where it can be nearly impossible. Trust me, I know. (laughs) I think that's why I'm uh, talking about this because seeing especially a dear friend who just recently, just this year, lost his partner, his husband, his, his lover, his best friend. And I just remember before Christmas, he was out at Gene's Christmas party and just seeing that look on his face that sense of loss, that he was just like, I'm here because I need to try to make myself keep going. And I felt it in my heart. What is the old saying? It's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. But I don't know sometimes. Sometimes the pain can be unbearable. When I lost one of my bestest friends just eight years ago, I'll remember that morning getting the call and not knowing how to deal with it, that I still, to this day, a certain song comes on, a certain picture pops up on social media, and the tears just come to flowing again. And that was a dear friend. He wasn't a boyfriend or a husband. I think sometimes, for me, that fear of that kind of loss has prevented me from being in relationships. I know, that's my hang-up. That's my hang-up that I have to deal with. And I just don't know really what the ways are. And the easiest thing to say is to look at my friends who are traveling, loving life, and enjoying themselves. Because time is short. And that is true. But I'm also of the belief that I'll wind up being 70 years old and may not have a dime on me. And then I'll be left homeless. (laughs) You know, and I don't think it'd be so good to be a 70 year old homeless man out here on the streets of a Bible Belt city where there are good people who will help, but it's never enough. So do you think that that's what happens with our society? Is that part of it is that they instill that fear of being homeless to kind of trick us into working even harder and longer and not doing the things we want to do? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we can call this episode Thinking Out Loud. And hopefully you all haven't turned it off. Uh, But I've said before that I want the podcast to be more than just about sex. I want to be able to talk about anything, everything. And that includes dark and sad topics. Because what is it that Cher sang about once? Sooner or later, we all sleep alone. And then the Queen, Madonna... Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand all alone. They're kind of giving us a hint here, aren't they? Maybe I should have just played like a prayer (laughs) instead of done all this talking. I know that you would have enjoyed that a whole lot more than this, probably. But anyway, I promise next week's episode will not be a Debbie Downer. I'm hoping that by getting this out, it's actually making me feel better. I hope it makes you feel better knowing that other people are thinking about these things too. 
Or maybe it's just me, and maybe I've dredged up issues that you all weren't thinking about. And if I did, I apologize. But maybe we should be thinking about it. Maybe we should be talking about it. I know we should be talking about it, just because it is part of the human condition. But dick is part of the human condition, too. So let's talk about that for just a few minutes. And boy, do I have something to say. You know, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even last week, I had mentioned an experience with a guy that I called Will, who turned out to be a hustler, a male prostitute. Well, you'll never guess who popped in to the club at happy hour. I had mentioned that he had been banned for life. Well, I got corrected on that. It wasn't true exactly. But the bartenders that are serving at that time have the discretion on whether or not on that night if they want to serve him or not. So on this one, John did. And it was so funny because I had mentioned the story about Will just a few weeks before to John. And he was like, look what we did. We've conjured him back up. So anyway, I was already feeling good. And he comes walking in with his gentleman friend. And at first he glanced over at me. And I was wearing, I looked a little different. I was wearing glasses and I had my toboggan on and I was sort of bundled up in clothes that I don't normally wear. So he gave me a half glance and was about his business. I don't know how to explain it, but I have that curiosity, like I've mentioned before, that can kill the cat. But sometimes I call it playing with fire. I've mentioned before that I'm always interested in the dark side of life, the strangeness of life. Well, someone like Will, whose lifestyle is different, darker, grittier in a lot of ways, even though he tries to make it seem like he's wafting through fields of daffodils and singing the sound of music, he's really getting buttfucked in back alleys if the price is right. Sometimes I guess you call it poking the bear. Or is it the tiger? Whichever one. I went to the men's room to take a leak. And, of course, I run right into him coming the other direction with his gentleman friend following behind him like a sad lost puppy. Face to face, he does that big surprise look. Alan, oh my God, it's you. And what does he do? Come at me tongue first. I guess I was willing to risk herpes that night or some other disease and made out with him right there in front of the men's room, right there in front of his gentleman friend who was not at all pleased. Finally, I had to kind of push back a little bit and say, whoa, 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 cowboy, you're really getting on with it tonight. What's up with this? And he was just like, I'm just happy to see you. (laughs) Anyway, I kept stealing glances at him, watching him talk to his gentleman friend while he seemed to be brooding and pouting about the whole situation. I mean, after all, he is paying for Will's attention, etc. I guess I feel more sympathy for him that you're in the predicament that you're in. You expect this guy to give you all the attention and he is kind of treating you like dirt, but it does seem like 
a lot of guys, me included, sometimes are drawn more into a person who acts like they don't care about us. It's like we can't let it go. Boy, that is the male ego right there. I'm telling you, that is the male ego times 10. And almost all of us have it. So anyway, the night was coming to an end and I had drunk, well, I had bought too many rounds of shots and stuff, had a good time, but it was time for me to go. I needed some Waffle House or something to eat. And it was just timing. There was no intention at this point. But it turned out they were leaving at the same time I was leaving. And as I come out, he hears me come out. Will does. They're in front of me, and I'm, like, behind them. They're walking slower because his gentleman friend needed a little bit more time to get across the parking lot. So inadvertently, I was catching up to them just due to circumstances. I wasn't walking as slowly as they were. And he sees me, he turns around, he goes, Whoa, dude, what do you think you're doing? I'm like... Uh, well, Will, what I'm doing is I'm walking to my car and going home. The look on his face, he actually had the ego, the nerve to think that I was chasing after him like I was going to be willing to maybe pay more to get him away from the uh, senior guy that he was with. And I'm like, hell to the gnaw. I'm not doing that shit. Jesus Christ. I already got what I wanted from you. I don't need anything else. Jesus. Is that part of the vanity of being that attractive? I don't care that he's a hustler, a male prostitute. I think you do what you got to do in life. But there is an arrogance with him and a few other. Well, I'll be honest. I know some porn stars. I know a few. And some of them believe that that they are presenting us with an honor that that if we give them money, they'll do things with us and that we should be grateful for the privilege of paying them a fee for their attention. And I believe that in this case, that's what Will does too. I guess the more priceless expression was when he saw that I didn't give a rat's ass about what he was doing and I went straight onto my car. I did catch him in the rearview mirror with that stunned look on his face as he was helping his gentleman friend get into their car. Well, the gentleman friend's car. I don't think Will has one. Isn't this a way to end this hooting and hollering episode, this morbid, bizarre episode of Alan After Dark? Thank you, fam, for joining me for this weird episode of Alan After Dark. I hope you've been entertained and provoked and what the fuck am I talking about? I don't know. I had a couple of, well, you know what I had. And no, I don't mean dick. Remember, take life by the balls and be real. We'll see you soon.